everyone, welcome to the second podcast episode in the new Greek and Turkish dialogue podcast series, Issues That Matter. My name is Eylem Yanar Daoğlu. I'm your host for this episode. I'm an associate professor at Kadir Has University New Media Department in Istanbul and also a fellow at Hellenic Foundation for European and Foreign Policy, Eliemeps Turkey Program. This podcast series is brought to you by the generous support of Friedrich Naumann Foundation. And today with my guests, I'm going to focus on a significant global current problem of fake news and misinformation. Um, major international and transnational organizations uh, consistently draw our attention to the issue of declining trust and faith in democratic institutions, international institutions. And these are sometimes worsened by development in emerging digital technologies and spread of disinformation. And this trust in media has, of course, a role to play in the rise of misinformation. So today I'm joined by two distinguished guests from two fact-checking organizations in Turkey and Greece. I have here with me Stelios Purnis from Elinika Hoxes, the perhaps the most known website in Greece that debunks information, disinformation and fake news. It was established in 2013. I am also joined by Emre Saklıca from Tate.org, who is the head of editorial. And Tate.org was established in October 2016 in Turkey as a social enterprise with the aim to tackle the circulation of false information in uh, social networks and news. So a very warm welcome to you both. Uh, maybe I start with Stelio. Uh, if you could tell us a bit more about Elinika Hoxes and the work you do there. Of course. Uh, thank you for the invitation, Professor. First of all, I think it goes without saying that Elinika Hoxes and Tejit stand um, shoulder to shoulder uh, in the global fight against misinformation. I mean, uh, we work on a network. We in we cross-check information uh, as per usual with other members of the growing community um, of fact-checkers around the globe. I'm Stelios Purnis and I work for um, I work as a fact-checker for uh, Greece's first accredited fact-checking organization. Elinka Hoxis is a member of the International Fact-Checking Networks and since 2019 it has been a part of Meta's uh, third-party fact-checking program in its efforts to identify, to refute and to review uh, viral misinformation across the, the platform. In 2020, I was given the role of police reporter and I was expected to obtain and verify the information uh, from, the, from the Greek authorities. For the past 12 months or so, I have been focusing on debunking misinformation uh, using geospatial information, which is basically maps and satellite imagery, but also methods such as geology. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in journalism from Aristotle University here in Thessaloniki. Great. Thank you, Stelio. Uh, Emre, could you tell us a bit uh, about TEIT and the work you do there? Uh, thank you for having me here. And uh, being here with Elnika Oxus is an honor uh, for me. Uh, I have to say that. Uh, I'm the head of editorial at TEIT. Uh, TEIT is a, a fact-checking organization and is a member of the International Fact-Checking Network. Uh, following IFCN principles are very important for us. Transparency, unbiasedness, and social impact built uh, TEIT's methodology and system. Uh, our financial structure 
infrastructure and organization are transparent, our methodology is available to everyone, and we have a very strong correction policies. Uh, we regard these principles and conduct our activities in light of these principles. Uh, these kind of standards are very crucial for fact-checking organizations, also for newsrooms, I have to say that. And uh, what do we do? Uh, we fact-check social media posts, newspapers, newsrooms, etc. Uh, we try to understand uh, the roots of false information problems. Uh, we have a fact-checking unit, a media literacy unit, and also we have a community program which is called Factory. I could say that for first question. Thank you, Emre. Maybe I continue with you in my second question because I'm uh, uh, aiming to give our listeners a, a good context in both countries in the about the media system in both countries. Uh, maybe there are some similarities or differences. Uh, I'd like us to talk about it. So uh, I'm wondering what are the main sources of disinformation in Turkey or who are the main sources of disinformation in Turkey? Uh, I could say that all of us have uh, many may have uh, many faults uh, but we have to improve our uh, media literacy skills to protect ourselves uh, social media users uh, newsrooms uh, whatsapp telegram or this kind of messaging caps are the problematic area i have collected some data from the beginning of the year about subjects and types of disinformation uh, we published uh, 379 articles in 2022 100 of uh, 100 four are about politics this is very huge uh, amount of uh, article uh, 67 are about conflict because of Ukraine-Russia war. 43 are about health. Uh, still, uh, we are uh, we talk about COVID-19. And 31 are about economics, which is very important. Uh, and we have a very uh, big economic problem in Turkey nowadays. And I want to add one more data, uh, which is very important. 26 of these articles are about refugee disinformation. We need to talk about that. Uh, as you know, uh, refugees are facing disinformation where they are. Uh, over 6 million Syrians have been forced to leave their country due to civil war that has been going on since 2011. According to official numbers, there are over uh, 3.6 million Syrian refugees in Turkey. Uh, the total number of refugees is estimated to be over 5 million. Uh, false claims uh, that Syrian refugees can study in universities without taking entrance exams or uh, that the state is paying salaries to Syrian refugees are some examples of disinformation targeted against refugees on social media. And next year we'll have an election and for that reason misinformation about refugees is very crucial because lots of politicians use this card to vote. Uh, this is typical uh, populist politics but these claims are harmful and we have to prioritize these kind of claims uh, I don't know uh, if it's if it's same in Greece but nowadays uh, refugee disinformation is very important topic for Turkey media and information ecosystem yes it is indeed a good point you are making about the upcoming elections and uh, the populist discourses uh, regarding refugees uh, who is the source of this kind of uh, information is it mainly on social media or um, other media outlets? 
Uh, social media and some politics uh, politicians uh, are uh, who, who wants to be popular and nationalist nationalist people uh, are the source of this kind of disinformation and this is also a very huge problem for uh, government party and uh, opposition parties because of an election and we see uh, lots of social media account and politicians uh, share this kind of claims I think the difficulty is when the, the, these kind of claims comes from figures like politicians who are uh, maybe respected by members of the public, so they are more seen as credible sources. So when they sort of, uh, in one way or another, spread this kind of uh, misinformation, then uh, it becomes uh, even more um, complicated, I, uh, I guess. Uh, yes, I agree with you. Yes, uh, Stelio, um, I'd like to pose you the same question about Greece. What are the main sources uh, of uh, disinformation in the Greek context? Um, honestly, I'm not so sure that I could identify one particular group as the main source of disinformation in Greece. Um, I think that every crisis is, let's say, is a fertile ground. I mean, it's an easy target for disinformation to uh, prosper. So uh, such observation can be verified by the migrant crisis, uh, the COVID-19 crisis, and of course, the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine. Uh, during this time, Uh, we saw a demand uh, for um, accurate information, so we uh, shaped our agenda accordingly. Um, given that to a large extent, Greeks get their news from social media, it's up to 90% or, or something. Um, it could be argued that social media create an environment where its users are more likely to be exposed to this information. But uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not uh, demonizing uh, social media. Regarding the profile of those who share misinformation and disinformation, it is it is imperative to to make a fundamental distinction between those who create disinformation and those who unintentionally share it. Uh, besides, as Penny Cook et al. Um, state in their article, uh, there is a large disconnect between what people believe and what they um, what they will share on social media. Um, and this is largely driven by inattention rather than purposeful sharing of uh, misinformation. Thank you. Uh, you both mentioned the impact of uh, Ukrainian conflict. What could you say about that as uh, fact checkers in both uh, countries? Uh, I could say that uh, we uh, start to, to uh, investigate uh, all of claims uh, which spread around Turkey. And also we have a, a huge community in the IFCN and uh, we uh, create the collect, uh, collective database uh, for uh, understanding uh, this problem. And uh, all of the country, all of countries uh, sent their investigations and articles to this database and uh, this huge and very uh, high quality database by the way and uh, we see lots of claims about uh, this conflict this war and uh, we see some videos from computer games and some claims about Russia's army's power and Ukraine uh, army's power and also for Turkey's uh, information ecosystem because of we see lots we saw lots of claims about Bayraktar drones uh, and we uh, debunked some of them and nowadays after a good era of this conflict now uh, we haven't seen lots of claims about uh, this kind of thing 
things nowadays. But uh, I don't know if it's same uh, for Greece. Thank yes, you. I think uh, we've seen uh, probably the same situation here in Greece as well. It was very helpful for us to use the database from IFCN and the Ukraine fact uh, facts uh, hashtag. Uh, it helped us uh, a lot seeing what everyone else is writing and especially these you know, these maps where we could see whatever disinformation or misinformation our uh, colleagues were uh, encountered. So yeah, I think we do not have that many fake news currently regarding Ukraine and uh, the Russian invasion. So yeah, I think we are kind of similar, like the, the situation is almost identical, honestly. Talking about similarities, uh, my next question will be, uh, what are the types of uh, misinformation we see in Turkey, for example, regarding Greece and vice versa? Are they similar? I'm wondering, uh, similar, maybe focusing on similar topics or different topics. Uh, Emre, what can you say to us? For more than uh, 50 years, maybe we could say 60 or 70 years, Uh, Turkey and Greece have had problems about the agency uh, and different kinds of problems. Both countries have increased tension dozens of times. Uh, nowadays, we talk about Turkey and Greece conflict again. This is not the first time and I know this won't be the last time. Why do we talk about this problem in 2022? Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I had a chance to talk uh, with Thanos from Ennikoxus in Oslo and uh, we haven't seen each other for a long time because of a uh, pandemic and Global Fact is a perfect organization for this kind of meetings. We talked about Turkey-Greece conflict and he said that next year uh, we'll have an election and Turkey-Greece conflict is always a good topic for politicians. Uh, this is a very short but important point for this kind of dis- and misinformation. People love warmongering speeches. Uh, yesterday I saw a tweet about Turkey and Greece tension. Uh, one of the very popular influencers in Turkey shared a tweet about Turkey-Greece relations. Uh, I'd like to share it with you to understand the polarization in Turkey and prejudge against Greece. Uh, he claimed that uh, Greece will start a 48 hours attack against Turkey, like Pearl Harbor. And that tweet's interaction rates are very high. <laughs> Unfortunately, people say that if they attack, we will invade Greece. I'm 100% sure we'll see lots of claims about two countries' relations in near future. Uh, indeed, uh, we saw some claims about Turkey-Greece relations. Uh, for example, Hagia Sophia's opening ceremony was a very interesting uh, event near the past. Hagia Sophia transformed into a mosque and opened for a, uh, opened for worship more than one, years, uh, one year ago. And by the way, I have said it, built by the Byzantine Emperor Justinian in uh, 537, uh, Sophia was turned into a mosque with the uh, 1453 Ottoman conquest of Istanbul and the mosque had converted the structure into a museum in 1934 and now it has opened for worship. For example, there was a claim that Greece declared a national mourning because of Hagia Sophia's opening and uh, it was shared with one photo. There was no mourning decision and the photo was taken from wild forest fires at 2018. Maybe the uh, same day or maybe the next day we saw another claim on the same topic. Uh, 
The claim uh, is Atatürk's house was shot by Greece. Uh, it's, uh, it became very popular uh, in newsrooms and they shared this news. Uh, was it true? No, uh, Greece uh, didn't take the shutting down decision. Uh, and the Turkish consulate general in Thessaloniki uh, took this decision because of repair. And Atatürk's house belongs to the Turkish Republic. Uh, besides the snap election possibilities, next year we'll have an election, uh, as I said before, and also it's the same for Greece. Uh, when we analyze Turkey's information ecosystem, uh, we could say that we have a very huge polarization problem. I think this could be the same for Greece. Uh, indeed, we called elections, conflicts and wars as a crisis moment. Uh, uncertainty, anxiety, sometimes uh, sadness or anger are important emotions for that kind of time. Uh, disinformation spreads uh, faster uh, at that kind of moment uh, because people need information and truth. They seek this kind of information. But emotions often create problems for rational thinking. Uh, but we have to calm down. We need to ask some questions about that kind of claims. Maybe we will talk about that later, but uh, we need to calm down for that kind of uh, claims. Uh, yes, Emre, I think uh, your call for a more calm approach to these kind of issues is uh, very important, especially at the time of um, uh, upcoming elections in, in both countries uh, next year. And also it is going to be the anniversary of uh, the 100th uh, year of uh, the establishment of the Republic in Turkey. So a lot of uh, moments where, as you say, people may show many emotions, different kind of emotions. Uh, Stelio, I'd like to pose the same question to you. Uh, what is available, let's say, in the, in the media ecosystem in Greece in terms of misinformation regarding Turkey? Um, yes, since we have seen a plethora of fake news uh, related in some way or another Turkey, uh, I mean, ranging from rumors to misperceptions to fake news to uh, misrepresentations of images and videos, etc., I suggest that we outline um, the more prevalent uh, categories and then delve into them by presenting uh, some examples. So my analysis will focus on a specific set of false um, news that my team and I came across. Um, having said that, um, I will now briefly touch upon the categories of misinformation related to Turkey, um, which can be pretty much summarized in four main themes. Uh, for example, uh, misinformation on religious issues. In July 2020, we came across a rumor um, according to which Hagia Sophia's skull folding had collapsed. The unverified claim emanated basically from a blog post, yet it gained popularity in social media. In September of 2020, a similar claim appeared on social media where an Orthodox church had allegedly been uh, destroyed in Prusa, also known as Brusa, by the Turkish authorities. In reality, Ayus Georgius church collapsed due to uh, um, insufficient maintenance work. So yeah, the, the second theme would be a misrepresentation of images and videos. Um, 
in general, placing images and videos out of context uh, is one of the most, let's say, prevalent types of misinformation we encounter. Uh, one striking example of that um, is uh, a claim according to which Tsaiku uh, Rizzo sports football players wore military apparel uh, in order to intimidate uh, their Greek opponents playing um for Alania Sport Football Club. Uh, in reality, Rizzo Sport players did that um, to commemorate Turkish soldiers that died in uh, Ildib, uh, Syria. The third one would be fake quotes and um, from world leaders. Uh, oftentimes, quotes from world leaders addressing issues related to Turkey make headlines in Greek press. I, I think that wo work both ways in Turkey as well. So, nevertheless, sometimes th th those these quotes are uh, misrepresented. Uh, for example, Joe Biden said that Turkey should uh, have nuclear capability or Donald Trump said that Turkey will get get up to 100 F-35 um, fighter jets. Uh, both of these claims uh, were bogus. The fourth one would be disinformation and, and fake news on uh, national security and uh, sovereignty issues. Um, the crisis on the Greek and Turkish border in Evros on late February 2020 triggered an array of fake news and rumors. Uh, one typical example of that uh, would be a claim according to which Turkish uh, border patrol agents had allegedly violated the, the Greek uh, sovereignty by occupying a small part of Greek territory. However, that never happened. Uh, in fact, this was uh, first spotted uh, in a Greece news, news site called Army Voice, along with a map depicting the occupied uh, area. Uh, this falsehood was also reproduced by international media, uh, such as um, The Sun and uh, The Daily Mail. I think it's also worth mentioning that at the time we detected a barrage of fake news in the form of text messages uh, circulating on social media, calling Greeks to arms. Uh, these messages were allegedly sent by Greek, pol Greek police or even the Hellenic army general staff. Um, unlike other false claims, we cannot be completely sure about the source of these claims. So I would like to end this question by bringing up another false claim we encountered, uh, according to which uh, marine traffic uh, platform classified Castellorizo um, island as Turkish. Uh, the truth is though that it was not the island that was Turkish, but a small boat called Castellorizo, which was found in Castellorizo port at that time. So yeah, every every now every so often we also identify fake news related to military weaponry and hardware that is allegedly um, imported imported from Turkey to Greece. So yeah, this is the situation here in Greece. I have to add that uh, these kind of claims are popular uh, in Greece more than Turkey nowadays. But in near future, uh, we'll see these kind of claims in Turkey uh, made ecosystem. I think. Uh, because uh, next year we'll, uh, we talked before we'll have an election and uh, these kind of uh, topics are very popular uh, for that kind of moments. We have to be careful about that. Yes, I think uh, these these warnings are very important uh, for timing and the topic the topic you know the kind of topics uh, that are being circulated because. Um, 
If it's about security, military operations, then it creates more anxiety among the public. So this is why we need probably more calm approach uh, when, um, you know, covering uh, these issues. But also there is a problem with um, in both countries. I see in various reports, various international and national research about a, a, um, declining trust uh, regarding news organizations. So we have here a dilemma. People maybe are more suspicious in Greece and Turkey compared to other European um, publics uh, in terms of their trust in media organizations. But at the same time, uh, these are ma mainstream media organizations, but at the same time, they are also suspicious of digital media, social media, but there is heavy reliance on social media in both countries. So there is a dilemma here, which I think increases um, all these difficulties you were, uh, you were mentioning. So I want to ask you uh, why there is so much suspicion towards uh, news and how does this uh, suspicion or, you know, declining trust um, actually affect the perception of uh, public opinion in both countries regarding each other? This is a very important question. Uh, if we talk about Turkey and Greece, uh, we could look some reports about that, uh, as you said before. Uh, private message applications, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, mainstream media spread disinformation sometimes. And according to the Reuters Institute, the Digital News Report, uh, level of trust in news uh, is 42%. Uh, Finland is the highest trust level, but if you look Greece and Turkey's trust levels, uh, they are very low. Greece is 27%, if I'm not wrong, and Turkey is 36%. Uh, ownership of the media ecosystem, political legislations, and economic problems of newsrooms are very big problems for Turkish media. Uh, for example, uh, we have concerns about the new disinformation law. It's very important uh, for freedom of speech. Uh, the Bill of Law, known as the Disinformation Law, has been on Turkey's agenda for more than two years. And uh, according to this bill submitted to the Turkish parliament, publicly spreading misleading information will now be a criminal offense. If this bill becomes a law, people who spread false information may face imprisonment of one to three years. And other administrative measures include sanctions such as fines, bans on advertising, and bandwidth throttling for social media platforms. Uh, we have this story. In the meantime, President Erdogan, uh, other government officials and governmental bodies and institutions have frequently been using the term fake news. There's something that institutions, academics, journalists, and fact-checkers working on false information and uh, fact-checking all over the world have been reiterating. Misinformation and freedom of expressions are uh, negatively correlated. Uh, the more a country lacks the freedom of speech, the more vulnerable it becomes to misinformation. This is very important. Uh, regulations on uh, false information have been a topic of debate worldwide, maybe. Uh, and the issue of freedom of expressions uh, naturally comes with these discussions 
since all examples so far show that such uh, restrictive uh, laws on misinformation limit freedom of expression and are used for censorship. This is very important. Misinformation is a significant issue uh, and however dozens of examples uh, like Uh, Russia, China, Burkina Faso, Cambodia, Tanzania, Taiwan, Thailand, Kenya, Myanmar, Singapore and Malaysia shows us show us that the solution is not imprisonment. Uh, imprisonment. Uh, these countries where those who spread uh, fake news are imprisoned are on the lower spectrum of both freedom of expression and the freedom of the press. And media literacy rankings show that they are not resistant to false information. We fact-checkers frequently repeat that we need a holistic approach to tackle the misinformation problem, empowering all the stakeholders with critical digital literacy skills. This is very important. We believe that improving communities' media literacy is the key solution to the, that problem. That's why as state, we spent 2021 with a series of activities in which we talked about critical digital literacy with teachers, parents, and teenagers. And with teachers, we develop solutions to help them address the misinformation problem in the classroom. Teachers who know why misinformation spreads and uh, what causes it, who can distinguish suspicious information from facts and who poses basic verification methods to transfer their knowledge and skills to the classroom. And these skills aim to access the facts first and, and uh, prevent the spread of misinformation rather than punish those who spread it. This is very important. Critical thinking methods and media literacy can help us understand the distance between the misinformation problem fact checkers have been tackling and the regulations on fake news this is very important yes that's a that's a good point you're making emre about digital uh, media literacy but also i think with the you know in the information disorder we need another type of literacy which is news literacy you know how can we identify uh, which news are trustworthy i think the most of this suspicion um, comes from uh, lack of uh, literacy uh, digital literacy skills which can be like you say over come with in collaboration with uh, academics teachers journalists fact checkers i think um, in turkey there are some steps being taken in this issue uh, i'll ask uh, stelio as well um, about you know this sort of um, lack of trust uh, high levels of uh, social media use and its impact on uh, the disinformation in Greece. Yeah, in my opinion, trust is far from a given in Greece uh, in terms of how Greeks, you know, approach media and news. Uh, Reuters Institute for Studying Journalism Digital News Reports 2022 showed that this is the case for almost half of the countries that they surveyed. Um, there are numerous reasons that um, contribute to the erosion of trust in media and news. Uh, for instance, uh, there has been uh, notorious controversy over the government's payment to particular news outlets uh, for broadcasting COVID-19 stay-at-home messages in 2020 here in Greece. Uh, this coupled with the politicization of COVID-19 pandemic and the, let's say, cacophony of, of the infodemic uh, resulted to a suspicious approach uh, towards media and was observed in news avoidance as well. Uh, however, 
I think there is also a bright side to that. Local and regional uh, newspaper took uh, advantage, advantage of this crisis and transformed it into an opportunity. Uh, in that way, uh, they regained trust. So, yeah, I mean, and this situation contributes to the spreading of misinformation in the media sphere in general. Because, uh, think about it, should people not trust news and media, they won't invest in paid subscriptions and quality journalism. Instead, they will look, you know, for the alternative sources of information, which sometimes, you know, provide oversimplified solutions to problems that are, you know, multifaceted, you know. So, yeah, this is the situation here in Greece. And this has also, you know, an impact to maybe has an impact to the way the public opinion um, uh, uh, is formed for Greeks and the Turks, uh, because when there is a lack of trust in institutions such as media, people are more susceptible to dubious claims. You know, which stem from unverified sources. Uh, one can argue that due to this shared uncertainty and fear, Greeks and Turks might, you know, become become uh, gullible uh, to nationalistic or extreme narratives, and of course, propaganda. You know, uh, which may or may not affect the the public opinion. Thank you, Stelio. I think this is also another very important point you make about nationalistic, uh, maybe more, you know, uh, extreme nationalistic claims and propaganda, given especially this climate. One of our aims in this podcast series is to focus on global problems that is affecting both countries. And as you both mentioned, the issue of misinformation is a global threat for media freedom, freedom of opinion, uh, and media, it requires media literacy skills more than uh, ever, I suppose. So we've just um, about time to close our discussion, but with one sentence maybe, if I can get from you, uh, what could the fact-checking organizations uh, do in Greece and Turkey to uh, minimize, let's say, this kind of um, problems? Uh, I have to say that uh, improving a community's media literacy, news literacy uh, is very important. And for that reason, uh, at the end of the day, we have to uh, ask some questions. For example, this is a very small and a short example. When we see some claims or uh, some uh, posts from social media, we have to ask some questions. For example, who creates this content? Who, sh- who could they want to see uh, who could benefit from this information and who could it hurt? hurt? Uh, is there any missing information in the, these news? Could an important part of it be removed? How did I feel when I read? Am I angry or very happy? We have to ask uh, this kind of question. Uh, empowering community, uh, I think this is very important and we try to understand rules of this uh, disinformation, misinformation problem. Uh, this is very important, I think. I would completely agree with that. I mean, we have in front of us, you know, climate change, which is a looming threat to to us and our society. So we have to invest um, in media literacy and empowering our uh, fact-checking societies. So, yeah, I completely agree with you.
Thank you very much for both of you, Stelio Purnis and Emre Saklıca from Elinika Hoxus and Tate.org. Uh, it has been my pleasure to have this um, discussion with you, with uh, experts in um, information disorder in both countries. And I hope our listeners will also enjoy listening to our debate. And uh, this was the second episode of Issues That Matter in Turkish and Greek Dialogue uh, podcast series. I hope we get together again in the next episodes. Thank you. Thank you.